Father, we thank you for this time that we have together, God, to get into your word and to talk about who you are and to talk about your character and your perfections, Lord. Tonight, we will be talking about your faithfulness, Lord, and looking at scripture to see how you indeed are faithful, God, and how you will remain faithful forever, God. So the things that we read tonight, God, and that we discuss, Lord, may it draw us closer to you, nearer to you, God, and may we trust in you more, God, as we learn about who you are, God, knowing that you will not change. We pray that we would take your word to heart and be encouraged by it. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right. So God's faithfulness again tonight, that is what we are going to talk about and what it means to say that God is faithful. Now, this is, of course, another one of God's perfections. We've been his attributes are his perfections, his character. It's something that is inherent to who he is. God is perfectly faithful. So we'll look at some texts of scripture that speak of his faithfulness, as well as discuss some biblical examples of God's faithfulness over time and even into today. God is faithful now and will remain faithful throughout eternity. And when we speak of faithfulness, for example, saying that someone is faithful, we're speaking about that person's trustworthiness or reliability. You can trust this person to do what they say that they are going to do. Now, even if this person doesn't do things exactly the way that they set out to accomplish the task or to meet an obligation or to fulfill a promise, they are not going to stop until that task is complete or that obligation is met or the promise fulfilled. A person who is unfaithful, however, is opposite of that person who is faithful. They are not going to be very trustworthy. They may fulfill their promises sometimes, but they are not very reliable. They don't finish the task that they begin and make excuses as to why they can't finish. Time and time again, no matter the situation, this person cannot be depended upon because they are not faithful to anything that they commit to. The person who is faithful, however, is the one who people are going to gravitate to whenever a need arises. However, even the most faithful person will not fulfill everything to perfection each and every time that they set out to do something, even with the best of intentions, circumstances of life arise, the unknown hits and the well-intentioned best made plans get ruined. Disappointment occurs on a personal level, on a personal level. And even to those who were relying on this person deemed faithful, apologies have to follow. You know, when, when things like that happen, when plans are 
frustrated. Plans and expectations either need to be reset or canceled all together. Now, that doesn't mean that that person is not typically a faithful person, but with God, this is not the case. You don't have to worry about God failing in what he promises to do or making excuses. Why? Because his faithfulness is a perfect faithfulness. All that his hand sets out to do is accomplished. The words that he speaks, uh, that he speaks comes to pass. Promises made are kept. Nothing can thwart them. And as A.W. Pink said, he says, God never forgets, never fails, never falters, never forfeits his word. God is faithful in all things and at all times and Throughout history, he has proven to be nothing less. And I think we all have to agree that is true. God's faithfulness is his nature. It is essential to who he is. God did not need to learn how to be faithful. Man needs to learn how to be faithful. They need to be taught to honor their word, be reminded of the obligations that they have made and apologize when they forget to meet those obligations. This is not so with God. He is perfectly faithful in all that he does and without fail. Even the most faithful man derives his faithfulness from God, the faithful one, he is perfectly faithful. Deuteronomy chapter seven, verse nine, it says this. It says, know, therefore, that the Lord, your God, he is God, the faithful God who keeps his covenant and his loving kindness to a thousand generation with those who love him and keep his commandments. So God's faithfulness is a consistent faithfulness. He will never act in a manner that is inconsistent with who he is. He is always true to himself. There are no outside circumstances which can cause God to change or which cause him to turn away from acting faithfully to himself or even to his people. He cannot cease to be faithful. He is immutable in his faithfulness. And this should give us comfort, but it could also be a cause for terror. And we'll talk about that at the end. If we uh, if we have time, remind me. At the end, Deuteronomy 710. Say that to me at the end. <laughs> so now what we're going to talk about is a, a case for God's faithfulness in Genesis chapter six through nine. A case for God's faithfulness in Genesis chapter six through nine. And I have in parentheses and to Noah. 
because we're talking about Noah in these verses as well. But we're going to see how God is, of course, faithful to Noah, but faithful to himself as well. So Genesis chapter six. So one thing to remember, when God gives his word, he keeps it. God was faithful to his promise to Noah to establish a covenant with him. And this before the flood took place. So in Genesis six, God speaks of the wickedness of man and how it grieved his heart that he had made man to the point that he promised to blot man out. And God remained faithful to that promise. Noah, however, found favor with the Lord and the Lord made a promise to Noah that he, God, would establish his covenant with him, Noah. Later in chapter seven, verse one, we read that the Lord said to Noah, for you alone, I have seen to be righteous before me in this time, which speaks further to the favor that Noah found with God. So let's read Genesis chapter six, verses 11 through 18. Starting in verse 11, it says, now the earth was corrupt in the sight of God and the earth was filled with violence. God looked on the earth and behold, it was corrupt for all flesh had corrupted their way upon the earth. Then God said to Noah, the end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence because of them. And behold, I am about to destroy them with the earth. Make for yourself an ark of gopher wood. You shall make the ark with rooms and shall cover it inside and out with pitch. This is how you shall make it. The length of the ark, 300 cubits, its breadth. 50 cubits and its height, 30 cubits. You shall make a window for the ark and finish it to a cubit from the top and set the door of the ark in the side of it. You shall make it with lower second and third decks. Behold, I, even I am bringing the flood of water upon the earth to destroy all flesh in which is the breath of life from under heaven. Everything that is on the earth shall perish. But I will establish my covenant with you and you shall enter the ark, you and your sons and your wife and your son's wives with you. So God told Noah that he along with his sons and wives, his, his and wife, his son's wives were to enter the ark. Also, every living thing of all flesh, Noah was to bring two of every kind into the ark. To this point, however, the Lord had not established his covenant with Noah. He said that he will establish a covenant with Noah, but to this point, he had not. 
What he did do was give Noah a set of commands that he was to follow, starting in verse 14. It says, make for yourself an ark of gopher wood. And God, as you saw reading through the subsequent text, gave specific commands to Noah. And what was Noah's reaction to all of this? What was his reaction? Chapter six, verse 22. It says this. It says, thus Noah did according to all that God had commanded him. So he did. So, remember, to this point, no covenant had been established, yet Noah obeyed God. And even in chapter 7, verse 5, it says, Noah did according to all that the Lord had commanded him. All that he had to go on to this point was the promise that God had made the promise to establish a covenant with him, but the covenant had not been made at that point. And we'll talk about that a little bit later as well. But what was it that enabled him to move forward in obedience to the Lord? What caused him to move forward in obedience to the Lord? It's faith. Faith is what caused Noah to move forward in obedience to the Lord. Hebrews chapter 11, verses 6 through 7. We'll read. Hebrews 11, verses 6 and 7. It says this. It says, and without faith. It is impossible to please him for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. Verse seven, by faith, Noah, being warned by God about things not yet seen in reverence, prepared an ark for the salvation of his household, by which he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness, which is according to faith. So Noah was going by faith now on a promise that God would establish a covenant with him. Also, he believed that his family would be saved through the flood as well. So these are the things that Noah was following God um, by faith, he was following after God by faith with these promises that his family was going to be protected, that this covenant would be established with him. Now, God proved to be faithful to his threatening to blot out both man and animals on the earth. Chapter six, verse seven It says, the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land, from man to animals, to creeping things and to birds of the sky. For I am sorry that I have made them. Chapter seven, verse four, it says, for 
after seven more days, I will send rain on the earth, 40 days and 40 nights, and I will blot out from the face of the land every living thing that I have made. Verse 10, it came about after the seven days that the water of the flood came upon the earth. Yet God preserved Noah and his family as he promised to do. But still, at this point, that covenant that God promised was not made. God remembered Noah and by extension, his family and all that was on the ark. Uh, chapter eight, verse one tells us that it says, but God remembered Noah and all the beasts and all the cattle that were with him in the ark. And God caused a wind to pass over the earth and the water subsided. So God caused the waters to subside. He plugged up the floodgates. Noah and his family, along with families of beasts, creeping things, birds and everything that moves on the earth, all exited um, from the ark. So this proves that the Lord was faithful to his promise. He was faithful in his Threatenings to blot out man faithful in his threatenings to flood the earth and it rained for 40 days and 40 nights. The Lord was faithful to do those things. And with Noah exiting from the ark, it shows that the Lord was faithful to his promise to Preserve Noah and his family and all that went on to the ark. But we're still waiting to see that covenant to this point in, in scripture that God promised to make with Noah. So you would think that after the exit from the ark, that the next thing that we would read about was the covenant that God established with Noah, but we do not. What do we read about? However, it is Noah's response to God's faithfulness to his promise to preserve Noah and his family and all that was on the ark. How did Noah respond? Chapter eight, verse 20. It says, then Noah built an altar to the Lord and took of every clean animal and of every clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar. So. <clears throat> sorry, lost my place, my notes. So Noah, his response was thanksgiving. He responded with thanksgiving to the Lord for his faithfulness toward him. Now, very briefly, just draw your attention back to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7. And 
In Hebrews 11:7, it reads, By faith Noah, being warned by God about things not yet seen, in reverence prepared an ark for the salvation of his household, by which he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness, which is according to faith. So, Noah's obedience to the Lord again was by faith in the promises that God made to that point. It was by faith that he obeyed God. And by this faith, he performed another act of his own faith, of Noah's own faith toward God, which we will see. So the Lord's faithfulness to his promise thus far awakened greater faith in Noah. And, you know, this should be the case with all of us as we read about the Lord's faithfulness in his word. We should be moved to a greater faith in him. We should trust in him more, trusting God more and not doubt. See, God's word is alive. His word is true. And when we read through the Bible, and we see these historical accounts of things that have happened and how God has been faithful, we have to remember that we're just not reading stories. This is not just something that, you know, we read in our leisure or just for casual pleasure. Whenever we are reading the word of God, this is his living an active word and he has given has given us examples of his faithfulness and of his character and of who he truly is in the scripture you know we have it all from front to back old covenant new covenant you know the prophets were looking forward to the Christ that was to come they would have Love to see what we get to read about. So we don't want to just read the Bible casually or treat it as a casual book. This is the Lord's word. And if we want to hear from him, we have to go to his word. We have to cherish his word and really take into account. These are things that truly happen. And we want to grasp the things that happen in his word and truly hold on to it and learn who uh, who God is. So as we you know, as as we look at this, you know, we see that Noah, again, he he responded by faith to God. And that is how we, too, need to respond to God by faith and trusting in his his promises and in his word and that he will do what he says he will do. So now in the case of Noah, his act of faith was to offer a sacrifice to God of thanksgiving and worship. This is what he did. And 
it may not seem like a big deal, but don't let it escape your notice what was offered. So he took of every clean animal and sacrificed them to the Lord. Now, why is this of any significance? Because what he sacrificed of every clean animal, what he sacrificed would have been recognized as their food. So he's taking these things that the Lord has told them, you know, that the Lord has told him to put on to the ark to protect it from the flood. They come off of the ark and Noah is taking these things after he built an altar to the Lord and he is offering that sacrifice of worship and thanksgiving and he is taking the things, the clean animals that the Lord told him to put on the ark and he is sacrificing those things. Now, again, these things would have been recognized as food. How? And and so with this being the case, how would his family eat if he's sacrificing everything and the animal population survive if they were being sacrificed? Now, the one thing that the text does not say, it does not say that Noah sacrificed all of the clean animals. So I don't want to impose that upon the text. However, it was still an act of faith that even after his sacrificing, that the Lord would provide for Noah and his family. The Lord said to take the clean animals. And in chapter seven, verse two, it says, by by sevens to take the clean animals and Noah obeyed. They made it off of the ark. Then Noah sacrificed them. And keep in mind, too, that even the sacrifice that Noah made, it was the Lord who provided that sacrifice for Noah to make. So certainly God could be trusted to provide even more. And no doubt this is the kind of faith that Noah had towards the Lord, that he is faithful to provide. Now, at this point, after this, there comes a covenant, but not yet the covenant with Noah. This covenant is a covenant that God Almighty makes with himself or literally it's translated in his heart. Turn to Genesis chapter eight. If you're not already there, verses 20 through 22. And so after the great flood and the destruction of man, we see the covenant that the Lord made to not curse the ground for man's sake, nor to destroy every living thing again. So let's read that. Genesis chapter 8, verses 20 through 22. It says, Then Noah built an altar to the Lord and took of every clean animal and of every clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar. The Lord smelled the soothing aroma, and the Lord said to himself, I will never again curse 
the ground on account of man. For the intent of man's heart is evil from his youth, and I will never again destroy every living thing as I have done. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest and cold and heat and summer and winter and day and night shall not cease. So, Again, we're reading a covenant that God made with himself. And when the Lord makes a covenant with himself, we know that it absolutely has no possibility of failure because he is faithful to himself. He promised never to curse the ground again on account of of man never again to smite every living thing as he had done. And then he says again in verse 22, while the earth remains seed time and harvest and cold and heat and summer and winter and day and night shall not cease. Bring that up to current day, you know, so much for the climate change, right? That is always talked about. Why why don't we buy the darkness that this world is selling? Why? Because God is faithful to his word and faithful to himself. And through his faithfulness to himself, even in this instance, we reap the benefit. The ground is not cursed. The Lord in his mercy does not destroy every living thing for sinfulness. And isn't that something that we should thank God for? Thinking of the current state of the world and just how sinful and how off the rails things are going. The Lord in his mercy does not destroy every living thing. We also get to enjoy the seasons of weather. Seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night shall not cease while the earth remains. And I tell you, even in the wintertime, because I used to be one, you know, listen, wintertime comes around. I'm complaining about the cold. I'm complaining about having to clean the snow off of my car, having to clean the driveway, all of this. But I tell you what, now I look, I see it, and I thank God because a testament to his faithfulness, what he said, even when evil, sinful man tries to say something different and they try with their tactics to scare people into believing that what's going to happen with this with climate change. You blame it. You know, we have a 60 degree weather or day. You know what I mean? Climate change. See, we're right. No, God is right. (laughs) You know, what did what did God say? And he is proven to be faithful to his word. So we have to rejoice, even in the, the, the whatever the conditions are outside, if it's not ideal. Remember, that is 
God's hand working. And we are to thank him for that. So these thousands of years later, the Lord's covenant still holds true and will continue while the earth remains. That's what God said, right? While the earth remains at the beginning of verse 22. Now it is reserved for fire and the Lord will be faithful to that as well. Let's take a look real quick. Second Peter chapter three, verses five through seven. Actually, I'll start in verse three, second Peter, chapter three, starting in verse three. It says, know this, first of all, that in the last days, mockers will come with their mocking, following after their own lusts and saying, where is the promise of his coming forever? Since the fathers fell asleep, all continues just as it was from the beginning of creation. For when they maintain this, it escapes their notice that by the word of God, the heavens existed long ago and the earth was formed out of water and by water. Verse six, through which the world at that time was destroyed, being flooded with water. But by his word, the present heavens and earth are being reserved for fire kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. The Lord will be faithful to his promise. Do we have any reason not to believe after we read what we see here in Genesis and see how faithful God is just in this short passage? We should believe him. So now, after this, we then read the Noahic blessing and covenant. So turn back to Genesis chapter nine and we'll read verses one through 17. Genesis chapter nine, verses one through 17. Starting in verse one, it says, and God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. The fear of you and the terror of you will be on every beast of the earth and on every bird of the sky with everything that creeps on the ground and all the fish of the sea into your hand. They are given every moving thing that is alive shall be food for you. I give all to you as I gave the green plant. Only you shall not eat flesh with its life, that is, its blood. Surely I will require your life blood from every beast, I will require it. And from every man, from every man's brother, I will require the life of man. Whoever sheds man's blood, by man his blood shall be shed. For in the image of God he made man. As for you, be fruitful and multiply, populate the earth abundantly and multiply in it. 
Then God spoke to Noah and to his sons with him, saying, now, behold, I myself do establish my covenant with you and with your descendants after you and with every living creature that is with you, the birds, the cattle and every beast of the earth with you of all that comes out of the ark, even every beast of the earth. I establish my covenant with you and all flesh shall never again be cut off by the water of the flood. Neither shall there again be a flood to destroy the earth. God said, this is the sign of the covenant which I am making between me and you and every living creature that is with you for all successive generations. I set my bow in the cloud and it shall be for a sign of a covenant between me and the earth. It shall come about when I bring a cloud over the earth that the bow will be seen in the cloud. And I will remember my covenant, which is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. And never again shall the water become a flood to destroy all flesh. When the bow is in the cloud, then I will look upon it to remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is on the earth. And God said to Noah, this is the sign of the covenant which I have established between me and all flesh that is on the earth. So now we see. That covenant that God said that he would make with Noah. Now we see that covenant established. And think about this. Every time that we see a rainbow, we are reminded about the covenant that God made with Noah and with the earth. Thousands of years ago, and it still stands. Now, as an aside, however, we see here just in this small portion of scripture, some things that are attacked most heavily by the world. Climate change. We talked about that in Genesis 8:22. But marriage, how marriage is attacked. Genesis chapter nine, verses one and seven and the original covenant in in the garden. Sanctity of life. How that is attacked. Genesis 9, 6. Whoever sheds man's blood by man shall uh, by by man, his blood shall be shed. You know, there is no sanctity of life these days. These are things that are attacked by the world. <clears throat> things that were established back in the book of Genesis and God did not change from this. And the world has the nerve to use God's sign of covenant faithfulness as a symbol for their great perversion. See, God remained faithful to Noah. He did everything that he said he would do that proves God's faithfulness just in this short portion of of uh, scripture. And that's just a, a brief look at the faithfulness of God in Genesis chapter six through nine and also 
to uh, to Noah. We see how God was faithful to him. So just a quick look back at a few points of God's faithfulness in this scripture. So he promised to blot out man because of their sinful corruption. Genesis chapter six, verse seven. says, the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land, from man to animals, to creeping things and to birds of the sky. For I am sorry that I have made him. The promise was fulfilled. Genesis chapter seven, verse 23. Let's read that. It says. Thus, he blotted out every living thing that was upon the face of of the land from man to animals to creeping things and to birds of the sky and they were blotted out from the earth and only Noah was left together with those that were with him in the ark God's faithfulness now usually don't think of God's faithfulness when there is a threatening involved but Yet and still, it is his faithfulness because he remains true to what he said that he would do. So it's still God's faithfulness. He made promises to Noah and he fulfilled them. He promised promised to establish a covenant with Noah. Genesis chapter six, verse 18. It says, but I will I will establish my covenant with you. And you shall enter the ark, you and your sons and your wife and your sons, wives with you. And he fulfilled it in chapter nine, verse nine, as we read, it says, now behold, I myself do establish my covenant with you and with your descendants after you. Now, just real quick on that, because it's easy to take a look at. Genesis six eighteen, and what the Lord says there, he says, but I will establish my covenant with you. And then the things that he says after that, he says, and you shall enter the ark, you and your sons and your wife and your son's wives with you. It's easy to think that that part right there is the covenant that the Lord is making with Noah. But he says, I will establish my covenant with you. And then we go to Genesis chapter nine, verse nine. He says, now behold, I myself do establish my covenant with you. So at that point, he was establishing his covenant with Noah. So we look at that and we see the faith that Noah had in the Lord. He believed that the Lord was going to establish that covenant with him like he said that he would do. And the Lord was faithful to do exactly that. He did establish that covenant with Noah. So, um, and look, I could be, you, you don't have to agree with me on this, but The reason why I think that it is just a promise in 
Genesis chapter six, verse 18, because a covenant, you know, a, a covenant is like the, the, the catechism question that we ask the kids. We say, what is a covenant? That's one of the things that we'll that we're learning in uh, Sunday school with the kids. Like, what is a covenant? A covenant is an agreement that is made between two or more persons. A promise doesn't have to be made between two people. Someone I can promise you something. I don't have to expect anything back from you. No sort of agreement there. I'm just giving you my word that I am going to do something now. If there's something reciprocated, you know, something kind of quid pro quo, you know, then at that point, there's a covenant that is entered into. I'll do this. You do this. We shake. We agree on it. You know, so that at that point, that covenant is made. It's an agreement between two or more persons. In Genesis six, God promised that he would establish that covenant with Noah. He also promised that his family and everything that he told him that God told Noah to take on the ark. If they did that, they would get through the flood. That was the promise that the Lord made. The covenant then comes in Genesis chapter nine, where he specifically says, I myself do establish my covenant with you. Now, God's word is true either way, right? God is going to do what he says. He's faithful. He's not a man that he should lie. He cannot lie, right? That's God's faithfulness. But just that was just a little bit on that. So again, you don't have to Fully agree that you can think that even in Genesis six, that's the covenant. But that's just a simple explanation of that. Um, the promises, again, that God made to Noah and fulfilled them. God promised to keep Noah and his family alive through the flood again in Genesis six, 18. And then he fulfilled that promise in Genesis eight. 18. So it says, so Noah went out and his sons and his wife and his son's wives with him. That shows that God was true to his word, to the promise that that he made. And again, this is it's just a brief look at the faithfulness of God in Genesis. And this is just Genesis alone. I think we can all agree that we can look all throughout the Bible and see many examples of uh, God's faithfulness. But I think it's like so many of the attributes that we've talked through, especially during this session. Um, so many things we talked about in the book of Genesis. You don't even get out of the book of Genesis before you get to see that characteristic of God. And then it carries all the way through the rest of the Bible. But again, this is just a quick look at God's faithfulness in Genesis chapter six through nine. Now, there are other examples of God's faithfulness 
in scripture, of course. So we'll end up by just taking a quick look at some of uh, some of those examples in scripture. First, we're going to start in Genesis again, but Genesis chapter 15. You turn there with me. Genesis chapter 15, starting in uh, verse 13. It says, God said to Abram, know for certain that your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs, where they will be enslaved and oppressed for 400 years. But I will also judge the nation whom they will serve. And afterward, they will come out with many possessions. So after God, this is after God promised to make Abram a great nation and to give him numerous descendants. You see that in Genesis 12 and Genesis 13. God told Abraham that his descendants would be strangers, enslaved and oppressed in a land that was not their own for 400 years, but that the Lord would judge and rescue them out of that nation that oppressed them. You go to Exodus chapter 12 and we see the fulfillment of that promise to rescue those descendants. So Exodus chapter 12, verse 41 It says, and at the end of 430 years to the very day, all the hosts of the Lord went out from the land of Egypt. So the Lord was faithful to his promise to Abram to rescue his descendants from slavery and oppression. So the Lord is faithful, right? God was faithful to his threatening to Adam for eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And we talked about that uh, a few times here in this session. And he told Adam not to eat from that tree or he would surely die. Right. God was faithful to that promise. He carried it out again. This is a threatening of God, but he carried it out. That shows his faithfulness there. But God was also faithful to his promise to provide a savior to redeem sinful man. Genesis chapter three, verse 15. Genesis three, 15, it says, and I will put enmity between you and and the woman and between your seed and her seed, he shall bruise you on the head and you shall bruise him on the heel. That was a promise of a savior that would redeem sinful man. Uh, Isaiah chapter nine, verses six through seven. And keeping that Genesis passage in mind, we just see it's bolstered here by 
this text, Isaiah 9, 6 through 7, it says, For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders. And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. There will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from then on and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. And then we go to John chapter one, <clears throat> verse nine, and we hear what John the Baptist said about Christ, because that is who this is pointing forward to. John chapter one, verse nine. Oh, sorry, wrong verse. <clears throat> What verse was I looking for here? Sorry, I put down the uh, the wrong verse. But um, verse 36, he says this, he says, and he looked at Jesus as he walked and said, behold, the lamb of God. So we also have Isaiah 53, which we talked about a few times. But again, scripture was pointing forward to Jesus. Right. And God was faithful to deliver that savior to uh, to redeem sinful man. Um, <clears throat> and then through Christ, because of what Christ did, the work that he did on the cross, the life that he lived, the the uh, fulfillment of the law, the death that he died, taking on the wrath of God, you know, everything that he did, all the of his work that he did on the cross his burial and resurrection on the third day for justification. All of this allows for us to come to God. And the Bible says, whoever calls on this savior, on the name of the Lord, God is faithful to save him, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Romans chapter 10, verse 13. God is faithful in calling us. First Corinthians chapter one, verse nine. It says God is faithful through whom you were called into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. God is also faithful to forgive us of our sin. First John chapter one, verse nine says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So that speaks of God's faithfulness. And it is through the Savior, Jesus Christ, that we can find forgiveness of sin. God is also faithful through testing. 
through our tests and through our trials. First Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, it says, no temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to man. And God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation will provide the way of escape also so that you will be able to endure it. God is faithful even through our testing times and in our trials. He wants us to turn to him in that in that time, in that moment of temptation. We should never take our eyes off of God who is faithful. And God is faithful to preserve us in salvation for eternity. Turn to Jude, the book of Jude. The book of Jude, chapter... I mean, chapter. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> Jude, verses 24 and uh, 25. It says, Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to make you stand in the presence of his glory, blameless with great joy, to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. So God is faithful to preserve us in salvation. We are his children. Once we are his, there is no getting away from God. We are his children forever. Okay? Now, these are but a few examples of the faithfulness of God throughout scripture turn back to deuteronomy chapter 7 verses 9 and 10 you didn't remind me andy (laughs) deuteronomy chapter 7 verses 9 and 10 starting in verse 9 it says know therefore that the lord your god he is god the faithful god who keeps his covenant and his loving kindness to a thousandth generation to those who love him and keep his commandments that is great isn't it it's great but there is also warning here with god's faithfulness in verse 10 it says but repays those who hate him to their faces to destroy them. He will not delay with him who hates him. He will repay him to his face. So there is that warning even in God's faithfulness. And it is a stern warning for those who do not know Jesus Christ, to those who do not repent and believe in Christ. God, in his faithfulness to himself, cannot allow for them to get by on free pass. No, they will pay. And he says he repays those who hate him 
to their faces. You hear so many times when people say, when I get to heaven or when I see God, I'm going to tell him. I'm like, wait a minute. What? (laughs) What? What? You're going to tell him. No, no, no. You know, that is going to be, as I mentioned earlier, that his faithfulness is wonderful, but it could also be a cause for terror. And what a terrible thing that it is to fall into the hands of an angry God. So we have to be careful to counsel those people when they say those kinds of things. No, that's not what's going to happen. First, do you even know God? Have you even trusted in Christ? Because that's just a sign of your blindness right now. When you think that you're going to shake your fist at a holy and faithful God, no matter the tragedy, because it's a lot of times in tragedy that people are going to say, God, why did you? That's what they say. Why did you allow this to happen? If you're so good, why this? And I have a thing or two to tell you. No. And we have to be careful, too, even as believers, to understand that when God. Even in the most trying times. You know, that we do not blaspheme his name. We don't unreasonably question him. We don't profane his name, but we recognize him as holy. And that's why we have to be in the scripture to learn who God is and how faithful that he has been to his people over the years. So then when those trying times do come, we cling to scripture. We cling to the word of God and we go to him and and trust him with everything, even our our pain. So, again, God's faithfulness could be talked about. We could go on and on as with some of the other uh, attributes. But Noah worshiped the Lord after the flood. Moses, Joshua, Samuel, all testified to the faithfulness of God. And if you want to write this down, Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse four, you can see Moses testifying to God's faithfulness. Joshua chapter 23, verse 14, you can see him testifying to God's faithfulness. And Samuel in first Samuel chapter 15, verse 29, you can see Samuel testifying to the faithfulness of God. And for us, may we live to testify to the glory and faithfulness of our great God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word, God, and we thank you for your faithfulness toward us. Again, this is just but a glimpse into your word to see your faithfulness, God. In the first book that we have in our Bible, we see how faithful you are. God, faithful to your promises, 
And Lord, on the other side, faithful to your threatenings, faithful to your covenant. God, that even we today get to benefit from. And Lord, we pray that your word would be hidden in our hearts, that it would be ingrained in us so that we will know you as the faithful and the true God. And even in those times when we doubt, God, when any unbelief may rise up in us, we pray and we say, God, we believe. Help us with our unbelief because you, God, will remain faithful forever. You are immutable. You do not change. And even when we are not faithful, God, you remain faithful. I pray, Lord, that you would give us all traveling mercies, everyone who is leaving from this place. God, I, I pray, Lord, your blessing upon each and every person that is here. God, draw them closer to you, Lord, and may they do the things that you have called them to do, to be the light in this world that you have called them to be. And may they always trust in your unchanging hand. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.